With just a few days left before the November 3rd general election, COVID-19 cases continue to surge in Illinois, and restaurants and bars are pushing back against mitigation measures. Meanwhile, campaigns for both Meanwhile, campaigns both for and against the proposed graduated income tax amendment are continuing right up to the last minute. Two seats on the Illinois Supreme Court are drawing attention, and the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus is pushing for massive statewide police reforms. We'll talk about all that with the Capital News Illinois team on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. It has been a busy week in Illinois politics and certainly have a lot to talk about. But before we go any further, I'd like to introduce the newest member of the CNI team, Sarah Manser. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be part of the team. <laughs> okay, so we've all been acquainted with you for some time now, but for listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how you got here. Yeah, um, I uh, came to Springfield in 2017 uh, through the public affairs reporting program at the University of Illinois at Springfield. And um, through that program, I started working for uh, the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin down in Springfield. Um, And then after that program ended, I moved to Chicago working for the Law Bulletin and um, then returned down to Springfield in October of 2019. And uh, now I am with CNI in Springfield. Okay, and so we're going to talk to you in just a minute about some Supreme Court issues. Uh, but first, I want to talk. I'm sorry. First, I want to turn to our State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki to talk about one of the biggest stories of the week: the resurgence of COVID-19 cases all over the state, and the number of regions in the state that are now under enhanced mitigations. Jerry, uh, as of Friday afternoon, can you tell us? Uh, Can you kind of wrap up uh, what the situation is here in Illinois? Yeah, so COVID-19 numbers, uh, they're increasing. Any numbers you look at are increasing. um, And that's led to mitigations in uh, 10 of 11 regions as we're recording this, Peoria. Peoria region had hit 8% uh, for the first time today. So really two more days and it could be uh, under mitigations as well. But Uh, You look at the hospitalization numbers, and those are really alarming because I think for five straight days, the number of people hospitalized for COVID-19 have gone up. Um, For seven straight days, the number of ICU beds uh, in use by COVID-19 have gone up, and and this is as of Friday. And that's, uh, I think it's also five days for ventilators. So those usually those numbers are usually a precursor of more COVID-19 deaths, unfortunately. And I also noticed that on Friday, Illinois uh, surpassed kind of an important milestone. We've now had more than 400,000 recorded cases since the pandemic began. And, you know, you think back to late spring, early summer, when it looked like the pandemic was tapering off, I don't think anybody ever thought we would get back to this point. Uh, is there any sort of sense about why this resurgence is happening? 
Uh, you know, Dr. Emily Landon from University of Chicago Medicine uh, spoke yesterday. Of course, more people are spending more time indoors, which is, is a greater likelihood of spread there. But she also noted that uh, humidity sort of plays a major role in how far the uh, respiratory droplets can travel. So uh, in more humid weather, the air is heavier and they sort of don't travel as far from your face, as, as sort of abstract as that sounds. Um, and, and in the colder air, uh, they have they have the capacity to travel further from your face, and that's why the six feet of distance becomes more important, um, and the masking becomes more important, especially in the cold weather. Okay, so here we are, like what eight months into the pandemic, and there seems to be a phenomenon what some people are calling uh, pandemic fatigue. Uh, that all of these mitigation efforts, all of the social and economic restrictions, are really starting to take a toll. And we saw that Friday morning uh, from the Illinois Restaurant Association. They've been uh, one of the hardest hit industries. And when these higher mitigations go into effect, uh, the state orders bars and restaurants to close to indoor service. And they're, I guess they're arguing they can't go on like that for very many more months. Um, how serious of a challenge do you think this is to the governor's authority? You know. I just don't know how you can enforce this to the scale that would be needed to make sure everyone is closed at all times. Uh, as in terms of a threat to the governor's authority, there's a, a lot of legal challenges out there. Uh, as Sarah has written, it'll probably get to the Supreme Court at some time. Um, but as I asked the governor earlier this week, sort of we were able to flatten the first curve as the, as the terminology they used because everyone decided to stay in and, you know, it was summer months. So a lot of people were spending more time indoors, but I worry that, you know, you're not going to get that same widespread buy-in to stay at home orders that you did it the first time when everyone didn't know anything about this virus. They didn't know how deadly it would be, whatever. Um, and now as people are just more comfortable leaving their houses and they think masks will protect them, uh, you're getting, you're getting a lot more, you're not going to have that same level of people staying in. So I don't know, if it'll have the same effect in terms of curbing the virus. We'll, we'll just, I really don't know if they'll be able to drive those numbers down like they did uh, in March and April. And meanwhile, this is all taking place against the backdrop of a hotly contested election uh, nationally and here in Illinois. As of Friday, just over 3 million Illinois voters had already cast ballots in the election balloting ends on Tuesday, November 3rd. And one of the most hotly contested issues uh, statewide in Illinois is the graduated tax uh, proposed constitutional amendment to allow for a graduated income tax. A uh, lot of money has been spent in this, Jerry. Uh, does it look like this could be a fairly close count? Well, it does. And I think you had an interesting story, Peter, in which you spoke to the Illinois State Board of Elections director, um, Matt, or not, pardon me, spokesman, Matt Dietrich. And uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed to note that unless, uh, if there's some still some outstanding ballots uh, on election day from that have been mailed, um, then then we might know potentially as long as two weeks from now. Is, is that what you wrote? Yeah. So the amendment has to pass either by 60% of the people who vote on that question or a simple majority of all of the votes cast in the election. 
and Illinois is a state that has a really long window. Uh, if if you get your uh, if you're voting by mail, it has to be postmarked by election day, and they allow up to two weeks for the envelope to arrive at the local election office. So you really don't know officially until two weeks after the election, which would be November 17th, uh, exactly how many votes were cast and whether or not it got a majority of that number. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about who's campaigning on both sides here. Who's for it? Who's against it? Well, really what it comes down to is it's a battle of two billionaires, interestingly enough. Uh, both of them would see higher taxes under the plan. And one of them is Governor Pritzker, who's uh, counting on about $3 billion a year in state revenue uh, from the proposal. So, of course, the governor spent about $50 million, uh, give or take, uh, to support it. That's that's largely the funding behind the pro-graduated tax ad, you see. And the anti-graduated tax ads are largely funded by Ken Griffin, who is a prolific Republican donor. Uh, he, he was a donor to Governor Bruce Rauner, um, in, at least in his first campaign. I don't know if that carried on to the second, but he spent about $50 million, again, give or take, uh, in the uh, effort against the ad. And even Governor Pritzker's cousin, who is, of course, also a wealthy hotel heiress, um, has uh, spent at least a couple hundred thousand dollars against the uh, amendment as well. Okay, and while that's going on, I want to turn back to Sarah here for just a few minutes. Uh, in addition to the tax amendment, two of the races that are on the ballot in portions of Illinois, maybe races that don't always get uh, the same level of attention as other races, are uh, two seats on the Illinois Supreme Court. Uh, can you tell us what's going on there? Yeah, uh, so there is a race um, in the 5th District, which is in Southern Illinois, between the Democrat, the Democratic candidate, Judy Cates, and she's running against uh, the Republican, David Overstreet. Um, and they are looking to fill the vacancy left by um, Justice Lloyd Carmeier, who announced he was going to resign last year. Um, and then there is a race in the third district, which includes parts of Will County and, um, the, uh, Quad Cities and Peoria. And, um, in that race, it's a retention race. Um, so the, the justice that is in that seat, Justice Thomas Kilbride, is asking voters to retain him. So it's just a, he's not running against anyone. It's just a yes or no. And he has to get at least 60% of the yes vote to keep another 10 year term on the court. And, um, and there's quite sorry. a, there's a pretty organized opposition campaign against him. Uh, can you talk about what's the origin of that? Yeah. And it, it sort of um, has similar players in the, um, graduated income tax amendment. Uh, Ken Griffith. Ken Griffin is um, has contributed 4.5 million dollars so far in the effort to not retain Kilbride. Um, there is a committee called the uh, Citizens for Judicial Fairness that um, uh, was created in September 
at, um, to attack Kilbride on TV and in um, on other mediums. And that effort um, has gotten more than $6 million thus far. And it makes it this race, Kilbride's, Kilbride's retention race, the most expensive election in Illinois Supreme Court's history. Okay, and we should point out that Illinois uh, is somewhat unusual in that it has partisan elections for Supreme Court justices. And also, it's I believe it's the only state in which Supreme Court justices represent geographic districts. Uh, other states, they're either elected statewide or they're chosen through a nonpartisan uh, merit selection process. Uh, but in Illinois, the Supreme Court also plays a role in the redistricting process, which is about to start uh, coming up next year. How, how does uh, the partisanship factor into that? I mean, what's the partisan breakdown right now, and what happens if Kilbride should not be retained? Yeah, the partisan breakdown right now, um, the court, it's a seven-person court, and uh, the Democrats have a, a four-person majority. Um, so in the um, redistricting process, um, the the major role that the court plays is um, when those legislative maps are challenged in the court, the Illinois Supreme Court has exclusive jurisdiction to hear those redistricting challenges and um, so uh, Republicans think that if they can have a majority on the court then if a redistricting challenge reaches the Supreme Court they might um, be able to have the court uh, rule in their favor. Okay so we're going to be watching those races very closely as the returns come in on Tuesday and we probably should note, as we've tried to note uh, as many times as possible, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, because of the huge amount of mail-in balloting that's taking place, it's entirely possible we're not going to know the results of some elections on election night as we normally would. Uh, now I want to turn over to Ray Troncoso. You've been following another aspect of state government, the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus has been steadily building up an agenda that they want to present to their colleagues during the upcoming veto session, which is a couple of weeks after the election. Uh, and one of the items on their agenda is police reform. There was a hearing about that this week. Uh, tell us what's on their agenda. Well, more broadly, their agenda is split into four pillars, uh, criminal justice reform, uh, criminal justice reform, education reform, healthcare reform, and then economic stimulus for black communities in Illinois. On Tuesday, they had uh, a hearing specifically on that first bit of the agenda, criminal justice reform, with an eye to making some statewide changes to how policing is done. Uh, on Tuesday, you basically had lots of officials from Cook County, including uh, County Board President uh, Tony Preckwinkle and the uh, Cook County Public Defender, um, Anna Campanelli, who basically said that, you know, at the municipal level, these reforms can't be done. They've passed reforms and police departments, such as the Chicago Police Department, have either ignored them completely or have intentionally delayed their implementation. 
So they're asking for the General Assembly and the Black Caucus is trying to get their colleagues to sign on to some statewide reforms, including tying uh, state funding to departments to compliance for some new rules, such as mandatory body cameras, uh, making officers report misconduct if they witness it, um, making officers liable for the actions of their colleagues if they do not intervene, if they see police brutality and other statewide efforts. And you brought up an interesting point about this. In order for efforts like this to succeed, you really have to have the buy-in and cooperation of the law enforcement community. What are we hearing from groups like the Sheriff's Association, uh, the Fraternal Order of Police, organizations like that? The Sheriff's Association has mostly been on board with some of the mandates, uh, granted that there is funding tied to them. Uh, so for, mon for mandatory body cameras, for example, the Sheriff's Association has said they like body cameras, they like mandatory body cameras, but they're expensive and it costs, they said, a mid-sized department of 300, 400 officers around $200,000 a year to basically keep up the infrastructure necessary for body cameras. So with revenues down, if these are unfunded mandates, I see a lot of opposition from police efforts. If the state says that they'll help fund some of these, then they'll be on board. Um, but you have a lot of officers uh, who testified these hearings saying that they're mostly okay with the reforms being presented. And what about the idea of abridging or, or removing this idea of qualified immunity for law enforcement officers? I mean, right now it's very, very difficult to sue a law enforcement officer individually for actions they commit when they're on the job. Um, how, are, how do they feel about getting rid of the qualified immunity? Well, lawmakers have been pushing for that, but at the state level, that's still almost impossible to remove because it is a, a question of how those statutes have been interpreted federally. So while there has been um, some recommendations for removing liabilities for officers statewide as they exist, most of that comes from uh, federal statutes and the legislature can't really do much about that. Okay, and so the fall veto session begins on Tuesday, November 17th, is that correct? Yep, and it runs to the 19th and then starts again in a second session on December 1st and runs to December 3rd. Uh, they basically want to present their entire agenda for all four pillars during those dates, and they've been preparing for it with, at this point, over 20 hearings on various subjects that you know lawmakers have been asking questions at. Even some conservative lawmakers have been asking questions and indicated some form of uh, support for a lot of the reforms being suggested. Okay, and so we are going to leave it there for this week's edition of Capital Cast. Thank you, team. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, the Statehouse Reporting Project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying thank you for listening.